Welcome to the Membership Guys podcast. Kick-ass advice and tips for membership site owners. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 230 of the Membership Guys podcast. I'm your host, Mike Morrison, and today I've got a very, very special episode for you. Now, all the way back in September of this year, which oddly enough, seems like a lifetime ago, we ran our very first conference, Retain Live 2019. It was an incredible two days. We had some phenomenal speakers. And the whole thing was kicked off. The very first talk that was delivered was a keynote, the opening keynote, by myself and by Callie Willows, the other membership guy. We knew that the speakers who would be on the stage over the two days were really going to deliver the goods in terms of the very specific things that our audience needed to do to help grow their membership. So before we got into that, we wanted to have an opening keynote that looked at that bigger picture of what was going on in the online membership space as a whole and what sort of things people needed to be aware of in the future that are going to help them essentially preempt and prepare for in the months and years to come. So our opening keynote was all about the state of the membership industry. It was a great talk, if I say so myself. It's one of the highest rated sessions of the entire event. And today I'm very, very excited to share that opening keynote with you. Now, you are getting something very special here because originally the recordings of these sessions were only going to be given to attendees at Retain Live and to members inside Membership Academy. And that holds true for all the other recordings of fantastic speakers like Chris Ducker, Andrew and Pete. Janet Murray, Jess Lorimer, Amy Woods, Mark Asquith, uh, Diana Tower, Scott Devine, Jared Falk, all fantastic, fantastic speakers who did great, great sessions. And the recordings of all of those talks, as well as additional talks by myself and Callie, uh, the Q&A panels, they're all exclusively available to people who came to the event or people who are inside Membership Academy. So, you know, if you want to get them, join Membership Academy. They're being released this month and next. However, we felt that the stuff we talked about during our opening keynote was so important that we had to share it with our wider audience. And so, for today's episode, we have got the entirety of the audio from that opening keynote, the state of the membership industry, and... As it's the start of December, it's holiday season, we've actually kicked off our yearly advent calendar promotion over at themembershipguys.com. If you head to themembershipguys.com today or anytime during December, you'll see the advent calendar promotion going on and we have put the video of this session uh, as part of today's special advent calendar giveaway as well. So, You can watch that video, of course you can listen to the audio here and uh, yeah, hopefully you'll enjoy, hopefully you'll pick up on some things that are going to put you in good stead to grow with this membership industry over the months and years to come. So with all that said, no further ado, we're going to throw you over now to the opening keynote from Retain Live 2019. We really want to kick things up before we get into those specifics by looking at the industry on a broader scale, zooming out a little bit and talking about what's happening in the world of online memberships that you guys need to be aware of, you need to prepare for in the months and years to come. Yeah. Yeah, so um, in doing so, we've identified six of the main challenges, six of the main key areas that we need to be aware of that we're seeing shifts happening on a, a larger scale. 
So we've got those six challenges we're going to talk about, and we're going to look at some of the ways you can prepare and you can deal with those going forward. I think perhaps the biggest or the first one is the type of implications and impact that we're starting to see from the way in which this industry is growing. Yeah, it's easy to forget that in the world of business, online memberships are still a pretty small market, even compared to traditional membership organizations and associations and other subscription models. But awareness of the membership model is higher than ever before. And that's not just because of people like us, who some might say are a little bit obsessed. A little bit obsessed. <laughs> but there's more content, more blogs, more videos, more podcasts, and even more services and businesses <coughs> aimed at membership site owners these days. Yeah, definitely. But perhaps the biggest sign of growth in the online membership world is the fact we're starting to see more and more big players coming into this market. Back in 2018, Facebook started trialing the ability for group owners to charge for access, essentially creating paid memberships via the Facebook platform. And at the same time, they brought in subscription payment options in their creator tools as well. So now influencers and content creators can charge a monthly fee for their premium content on Facebook. So two new initiatives they're bringing in to let people use their platform to create online memberships. YouTube are doing a similar thing with their creator platform. People are now able to charge subscriptions on a monthly basis for content they create on YouTube. And then you have sites like Patreon, which started life as a straightforward crowdfunding platform, but has totally pivoted in the last year to being a membership platform. All their marketing, their positioning, their messaging, they are going all in on memberships. Yeah, another major move into this space was LinkedIn buying lynda.com, perhaps one of the most well-established e-learning membership sites in the world. And you even have TV networks like NBC buying memberships like Revolution Golf, Fender creating their own membership, and Masterclass are bringing celebrities into the membership model. In fact, celebrities are actually getting in on the app themselves, with people like former UFC fighter Ronda Rousey actually having a membership to teach you judo. Yeah, so why now? Why are all these social networks, why are these big players, these celebrities, moving into the online membership space now? Well, we've done some extensive, real, laborious research yeah, into this. It took a long, long time. We boiled it down to 12 core reasons for why these guys are coming into memberships. You guys want to know what those 12 reasons are? Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah. all about those two wonderful words we all love so much, recurring revenue. Yeah, in an ever-uncertain economy, the reliability, stability, and predictability of recurring revenue is more appealing to businesses than ever. Add to this that it's well-established that it costs five to seven times more to get a new customer than an existing one. And it's no wonder that businesses yeah. are moving to this Makes model. Sense. And this is also a business model where marginal changes can have a major effect, with just a 5% increase in retention, increasing profits by up to 95%, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, and this is stuff we, we've all known for a while. We've been ahead of the game. These guys are just yeah. kind of starting to see the shifts. Yeah, and now is also the right time to get into this space because consumer trends are also shifting. We're moving into a sharing economy where people are valuing access over ownership. And the great thing about memberships is that they're all about access. Yeah, definitely. But at the same time, it's important we don't get carried away. This isn't a gold rush for memberships. It's not this big bandwagon that is going to run us all over. We're going to see some false starts. Some of the stuff we talked about isn't necessarily going to pay off. We've actually already seen a pretty big false start with one of these massive players coming into memberships. Anyone remember Amazon a while back announcing 
that they were going to start enabling people to sell digital subscriptions and online memberships via their website directly through Amazon. Does anyone remember that? A few people, yeah. It was really, really exciting for like someone like me who totally geeked out and rushed out a podcast episode to answer the big question of what Amazon's new digital subscription marketplace would mean for the membership world. Turns out, the answer to that question was absolutely bugger all. <laughs> Not a bloody thing. We got this big, exciting announcement and then nothing. Radio silence until several months later, they very quietly pivoted the whole idea into something that only caters to subscription boxes. So, it is still early days. Can't get carried away when we're talking about all this movement into the membership space, but I think it's fair to say that the size of companies we're talking about, the scale of the acquisitions like LinkedIn, Bang Linda, and all that sort of stuff, they're a good indicator that we're on the cusp of a fairly decent-sized shift within this industry. So what does that mean for you? Well, it's a bit of a good news, bad news situation, because one of the main things that the likes of Facebook and YouTube and Patreon are doing is they're lowering the barrier to entry for people to start an online membership business. And that's a double-edged sword. Because on the one hand, it means there's lots of opportunity. Opportunity is great. But on the other hand, it means all of us in the room are going to face a lot more competition. Yeah, smart business owners like you already know that your competitors are no longer those that are in the same space as you. It's anything or anyone that are competing for your members' time, money, or attention, whether that's Facebook, Netflix, or someone else's membership site. Yeah. You have to give people a reason to pick you now more than ever. Lowering the barrier to entry also means lower stakes, which means you're more likely to see more people just having a go at creating a membership site, especially if there's actually no cost involved. And that could result in a potential drop in standards, meaning that we see less of this and a bit more of this. And more abandoned memberships along the way too, leaving disgruntled members in their wake. And something else that we could see happening is the, these big players influencing price. We've already seen Facebook saying that they're going to cap the subscription price for groups at $30 per month. So this could change customer perception of what a fair price for a membership is. And your currently low-cost membership might end up being seen as overpriced. Yeah, definitely. So I think the potential for these guys to influence things like pricing is certainly a big challenge. And it's just one of many potential downsides of the moves that these guys are making into memberships. But it's not all bad news. There's some real upsides. Because without question, what this is going to do is it's going to help to normalize the online membership model. As the saying goes, a rising tide lifts all boats. So we will benefit from the popularization of paying for online memberships like ours. Because as much as the industry is growing, it can still be a hard sell. There's still some people out there who just do not like subscriptions. There's people out there who just can't reconcile the idea of paying for content online. In fact, quick show of hands, how many of you have ever heard somebody say to you, why should I pay to join your membership when there's so much free content already on YouTube? So many free Facebook groups. Hands up if anyone's ever heard that. I think pretty much most people can probably yeah. relate to that. Yeah, if you've got a membership that predominantly sells premium content and community, as many of us in the room do, this is a very, very common objection. And so the more commonplace it becomes for people to pay for premium content, the less friction we're all going to face going forward when marketing and selling our membership. That rising tide 
We'll lift all boats. Yeah, and this is all part of a much bigger shift because whilst the online membership industry is growing, that's just a drop in the ocean compared to the growth of the subscription market as a whole, with subscription companies growing more than 300% in the past seven years. We're in a subscription boom right now, and it's not showing any signs of slowing down. In fact, in the US in particular, subscription businesses are growing five times faster than regular companies. And the average subscriber growth is up to 14% from just 11.7% in 2017. So definitely a high growth area right now. Yeah, and while all this growth is exciting, it's also causing a few side effects, some new challenges. And perhaps the most relevant of those challenges to us is the, the emergence of something called subscription fatigue. As more and more companies go down the subscription path, the list of stuff you have to pay for each and every month is getting higher and higher and higher. People are starting to hit a breaking point. They're getting fed up. They're becoming more discerning about the subscriptions they have and more prone to regularly reviewing and culling their monthly outgoing. And it's no surprise because it seems like everyone and their dog has a subscription product these days. And we take the membership market and just put it off to one side, you have enormous markets. We, we talk online memberships are just a small part of the subscription world. You've got massive markets like software as a service. All of the big players in software are subscription companies these days. Can't talk about subscriptions without talking about streaming services. Huge, huge market. Not so long ago, Netflix were a one of a kind. They led the charge. They were this incredible, unique unicorn of a platform. Now, they're just one of many in a crowded market that's just getting more and more crowded by the day as every movie and TV studio rushes to put out their own streaming platform. Content-rich brands like UFC, WWE, who produce a lot of content, they're creating their own streaming services too. And in fact, many are predicting that Disney Plus is on track to have the single highest number of day one subscribers of any product ever launched, ever. And it's not just because of the Mandalorian. That's for the three Star Wars geeks in the room. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even get that. You didn't get that, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? This isn't an industry that's going to get any smaller. And it's not just movie and TV on streaming. Any sort of entertainment or media comes with a subscription these days. Books, comics, video games, music. <sighs> Even your exercise equipment, which is obviously a topic I'm very familiar with, comes with a subscription these days. And that's not forgetting another huge subscription market, subscription boxes. Everything imaginable can be bought as a subscription box these days. Skincare products, toys, razor blades, even underpants on subscription. No, that's not my Christmas present, please. Too late. It's, <laughs> it's even got to the point. It's even got to the point we have subscriptions to help you manage your subscriptions. <sighs> I think it's safe to say the world has gone a little subscription crazy. And it's no wonder that people are already starting to get overwhelmed with the amount of choice out there, as well as fed up as the number of monthly bills stack up. 
In fact, let's actually do a little bit of a poll. If you have a think about all of those subscription products Mike just mentioned there, also add in any online memberships you're part of, and also business subscriptions as well. So things like your web hosting, your email marketing, your Dropbox subscription. Evernote, all those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. all of that stuff. And raise your hand if you pay for at least five subscription products. Pretty much everybody in the room, I think. (laughs) Keep your hand raised if you pay for at least 10. Still a fair amount. How about 15? 20, 25, 30. <laughs> Seriously, Mike? Why is no one else with a hand up? <laughs> yeah, you, you're meant to know better than that. How many do you have? I don't, I don't really want to tell you. Come on, cough it up. <clears throat> 40. Seriously? Is this why I always have to buy dinner? Are you just <laughs> spending all your money on subscriptions? <laughs> I need them all, though. These are all... Equally important. When was the last time you played Star Wars? A few years ago. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll accept. I thought maybe there would have been more people with their hands up in solidarity at that end. Maybe I'm at the extreme end of things. But a few years down the line, this is going to become more commonplace. More people's lists of subscriptions are going to look like this. It soon adds up. And when that happens, they are going to become more ruthless. In fact, a study done back in 2017 revealed that just in the UK, us Brits waste £448 million a year, uh, a month even, in unused subscriptions. And we've already established you contribute quite a lot of that. (laughs) I take the hint, maybe I need to cancel like one or two. There's going to be a discussion later. Maybe I don't need a cable subscription in the US. Maybe that's overkill. I'll find the subscription cancel button, I'll I'll get rid of those subscriptions. And I'm not going to be the only one. As we've said, more and more people are going to start these regular reviews as their lists get bigger and bigger. So what can you do to ensure that when that happens, your membership survives the chop? It's all going to come down to whether your members see your membership business as essential or expendable. Is it a nice-to-have or a no-brainer? Is it a vitamin or a painkiller? The memberships that will be able to withstand subscription fatigue by making themselves essential are the ones who prioritize these three core things. First, delivering ongoing, obvious, evident value. Second, investing in delivering exceptional remarkable, memorable member experience that creates genuine connections. And third, providing something that is truly integral, irreplaceable to your members. So we're going to go through these one at a time and talk about what you can do to make your membership essential. Starting up with delivering that ongoing evident value. Memberships at their core, at their essence, they are simply value exchanges. You want people to pay you on an ongoing basis? You need to deliver value on an ongoing basis. So you need to make sure not only do you have a value proposition that is crystal clear, but more importantly, that you are effective at communicating that value proposition to your members. So they know, you know, they know what you provide, they know the role that you play 
in their lives and in their business. Yeah, if there's one thing that you need to get better at over the coming months and years, it's exactly that. <coughs> Getting better at communicating the actual value that your membership provides, not just to your existing members, but to your potential members as well. Yeah, and that all starts with really understanding why people join your membership in the first place. People don't join memberships to stand still. They join because they have a goal they want to reach, a problem they want to solve, a transformation they want to undergo, an interest they need to have indulged with like-minded people. Everything you do needs to be in service of that. It's not about stuff. The answer to all this is not giving people more stuff. They don't want stuff. They want results. They want goals. They want belonging. They want experience. They want access. You need to make sure your membership not only delivers on that, but that your members are aware that you're delivering on that. They're not taking that for granted. They're aware of the role that you're playing in their progress. They're aware of how much better their life or their day-to-day experiences are because they are part of your membership. You're giving them a reason to reflect on this. You're raising that awareness level because you don't want to be the best-kept secret, especially not to the people who are paying you month after month. And this is somewhere where we can actually take a lot of cues from outside of the membership world. So take the mobile and the phone network three, for example. They have a feature in their plans where you can use your phone abroad as if you were still at home. So you can use your data, you can make calls, you can text as if you were still here in the UK. So you avoid all those pesky, expensive data roaming charges. It's a really handy feature to have, but it's very easy to take for granted because you don't have to do anything at all to make use of this. It just happens when you leave the country, all in the background. So easy to take for granted until you get home and you get a text like this. That's right, folks. I somehow managed to save over £4,000 on my phone bill by using this feature without even realising it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I took a lot of stick for all the subscriptions I pay for. What were you doing? (laughs) Like, I was with you on this trip, and like 90% of your calls and, and texts come to me. So what were you doing? I'm, I'm going to blame it on like, you know, work, checking in on the membership and the academy and okay, you know, okay. that kind so of thing. So can we just establish you're blaming these guys, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> also, it's a saving, not a spending, so... Okay. Semantics. Yeah. I can live with that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, either way, you can bet that once I had this text and I realised how much this was actually saving me, my ongoing monthly bill seemed like a bargain in comparison. Yeah, so in your own membership, think about steps you can take to raise awareness of the things that your members might be taking for granted. They don't think about your membership as much as you do. They may not be aware of the part that you're playing. Make sure that they have cause and reason to note and be aware of the perks they're getting, the benefits, the advantages, the results they're achieving because of you. Because at no point should your members ever have a reason to ask, why am I paying for this? What am I getting out of this? Should I hit the cancel button? That should be obvious. It should be evident. So that's the first thing we can do to withstand subscription fatigue as it's a growing challenge uh, in this sector. Yeah, and the next is to actually invest in an exceptional member experience. So if you remember, Mike mentioned earlier that originally Netflix was kind of a one of a kind. It didn't have a huge amount of competition. And now it's got this onslaught of other streaming services entering the market. So despite this, it's telling that they themselves have said that their focus is actually on improving their member experience, not on what competitors like Disney and Amazon are doing. Because they know that if they have a good member experience and they keep their members happy, they're going to be far less likely to go elsewhere. 
And it doesn't have to be complicated to do this. It's not hard to add fun personal touches to your member experience and to make your membership memorable and remarkable so that people want to come back, they want to keep paying you. Andrew and Pete, in fact, are masters of this with their membership site, Atomic, from sending all of their new members funny welcome gifts via Twitter. In fact, I think they pretty much completely speak yeah, via gifts these days. They exclusively <laughs> communicate in Twitter. Yeah, that's they gonna, also... That's going to make for an interesting keynote today, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. They also send handwritten cards to all of their new members. And one of my favourite things that they do, which again is really simple, is that they bribe their members to share their success stories and wins by sending them free pizza. Again, this isn't rocket science. Anyone in the room could do this, but it's a simple, fun, and memorable part of their member experience that goes a long way to creating a connection and loyal fans. In fact, I would actually say that Andrew and Pete probably have the most loyal, dare I even say it, rabid, rabid. fan base of any rabid. membership site I know. <laughs> have, we got, have we got any Andrew and Pete members in here? Are there anyone in here? Yeah. You guys are crazy. I was going to say. <laughs> I was expecting a cheer then. Yeah. Obviously okay. not enough caffeine yet. Yeah. Maybe they're not all that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, if you can create that connection in your own membership, though, if you can create some emotional, personal connection and make the experience engaging and fun for your members, then it will make the decision to end their subscription more difficult when they're evaluating their expenses. Because the one thing you cannot do is you absolutely cannot just be seen as another expense. Yeah, you can't. And as we've seen with Andrew and Pete, it isn't rocket science. It doesn't cost a whole load of money. It just requires you to think that little bit more about what you can do to add that extra little touch, that little thing that will get someone talking about you and feeling like they're a little bit more connected. The third thing you can do to combat subscription fatigue is to find ways to provide something integral, irreplaceable to your members that they couldn't function as efficiently without or that they'd feel the impact of not having access to. One of the more common ways of doing this with online memberships is by negotiating special perks, deals, and discounts on the tools, the products, and the services that your members would need to pay for anyway, regardless of whether they were a member of your site. Digital marketers do a great job of this with their member deals. And if you can save somebody more money on the things that they have to pay for anyway, then it costs them to be a member of your site to get those deals, then who's going to cancel that? Uh, the math is in your favor. So that's probably the most common way that people play a little bit more of an integral, irreplaceable part uh, in their members' journeys. Something else you can do is provide some sort of exclusive tool, software, or product that cannot be accessed outside of your membership. Something functional, something uh, important that is irreplaceable. We do something like that over at Membership Academy with our member-only theme. Anyone use member-only for their membership site? Yeah, it's pretty awesome, right? Yeah, if I say so myself. <laughs> modest as ever. Yeah, modest. <laughs> but yeah, it's awesome. But it's also only available in the Academy. You can't go anywhere else and buy this. You can't email me and offer me stupid amounts of money because you will not have it unless you're a member. You have to be an Academy member to get this, to get the downloads, to get updates, to get support, to have your say in the future development of it. And in that way, we just provide that little bit more of something that cannot be found elsewhere that makes us integral. Fizzle do this very, very well. They're a, a business membership. They've partnered up with a WordPress hosting company to provide a free hosting account to anyone who joins their membership. 
you went direct to this hosting company and signed up, it would cost you $30 a month. Fizzle costs you $39 a month. So it's a no-brainer. If you can't squeeze just $9 of value from all the good stuff that Fizzle provide elsewhere in their membership, then they probably don't deserve your business. People are far less likely to cancel because of the fact they have something as important, as functionally crucial to their business as their web hosting. Yeah, and it's important to note, though, that none of this is about tricking or trapping your customers. It's not about getting members in the door and then barricading it. This is all about being a painkiller and no-brainer and making your membership essential, not expendable. Yeah, definitely. It's got to be a no-brainer, not a nice-to-have. And that's crucial because business is changing. The way that people pay for and access the things that they want is changing. And it's changing in a way that actually benefits all of us in this room as the subscription model does become the norm. But that does come with its own set of challenges. And we've just talked about one of the biggest, subscription fatigue. But another challenge, challenge number three, in fact, is the increasing importance of the R word. As the subscription industry grows, this R word becomes more and more important. So does anyone want to hazard a guess what this R word is? Shout it out. Attention. Everyone agreed? Attention. <laughs> Nope. So retention is definitely vitally important, important for membership yeah. site owners, but it's not the challenge we're talking about here. The challenge we're talking about here is regulation. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. Nobody really likes regulation, I think it's fair to say. It's, it's not something that any of us particularly uh, in get fact, excited does about. Does anyone like regulation? Nah, no. <laughs> no. Uh, but what about this one then? I know that most of us in the room love this. Digital VAT. Yeah. No love, no love for digital VAT, all those, oh, wow, I love that. Well, this one, this one you guys will definitely love, though. This made all our businesses so much easier last year, GDPR. Boo! <laughs> Boo! All right, all right, settle down, <laughs> settle down. Okay, well, the reason I boo <laughs> is because things like digital VAT, all those changes they brought in, GDPR, all the hoops we had to jump through for that, they were a complete nightmare. Anyone agree? Yeah, there were a major, major pain. The execution was botched. But it's important to note that while the execution was bad, the intention was good, especially with something like GDPR, because cracking down on spam, dodgy email marketing practices, and forcing big businesses to treat their customers' data and privacy more seriously than they had been doing is a good thing. This is a good thing. Things like this are going to help us in the long run. So we kind of have to grin and bear it, but in the long term, it is going to make it easier for people to have trust and have faith in companies they do business with online. And the reason we raise this as a challenge in terms of the overall state of the membership industry is we're going to see more and more regulation that is directly impacting subscription businesses. In fact, the state of California just last year passed a set of laws specifically targeting online subscription companies. These laws are probably long overdue. They force companies to be more transparent and fairer in their pricing, especially with things like free trials that a lot of unscrupulous companies were using to trick and trap unsuspecting customers into recurring charges. These laws also force companies to have a realistic, a practical cancellation process that isn't deliberately difficult. No more having to call up premium rate numbers where you're going to be pressured into changing your mind by a trained salesperson. All of that is gone. 
And it's a good thing. Yeah, and it's important to note that whilst this is a Californian law, it affects anybody with customers in California. So it affects us with the Academy and it affects the majority of online yeah. memberships if you have an international audience. Definitely. Unless you plan on blocking anyone from California and all the other states that will no doubt follow suit, this applies to you. Here in the UK, our government announced in 2017 similar plans to crack down on subscription companies. Now, Nothing official's happened yet. I can't for the life of me think of what they might have been distracted with <sighs> since 2017. They that would really have stopped them much. prioritizing this. But it'll eventually happen. And again, as much as it's going to mean more headaches, more hassles, more hoops to jump through, it's going to be for the betterment of the industry. Yeah, and, you know, I personally think this is actually a good thing because it's best practice anyway, whether legally mandated or not. And I'm sure most of you in the room are already doing this. You're already being transparent. You're already acting with integrity when it comes to your members and your subscriptions. But what this will help to do is stamp out a lot of the dodgier, more old-fashioned internet marketing practices that the membership industry has been plagued with in the past. Yeah, those, that, those 90s internet marketers have got a lot to yeah. answer for. <laughs> yeah, and you know that's going to benefit all of us in the long run. So whilst there is going to be short-term headaches and hassles as we all learn to cope with all of the new regulation and actually stay on top of what's expected of us, it is ultimately for the best and it's going to make it easier for people to actually trust doing businesses with you as well. So that's challenge number three, increasing regulation. Challenge number four relates to marketing and specifically search marketing. Just this year, Google announced changes to how they handle search. And with these changes, it's clear that we've now officially seen the death of SEO. Hold your horses. Let's rein it in a little bit. Let's not get carried away. Dramatic. I know. I, I know I promised you a bit of drama, but the truth is people have been proclaiming the death of SEO for 20 years now. Pretty much the day after the acronym SEO was invented, people were saying that it was dead. It's a bit dramatic. You know, it gets a lot of clicks. It's a lot sexier. It's a lot catchier than discussing the increasing challenges faced by the ongoing evolution of SEO. That doesn't... That doesn't Mine's trip. better. Yours is, yours is better. Mine's more accurate. <laughs> so, while it's not quite as dramatic as SEO being dead, which is something that would affect a lot of us in the room who have content-based memberships and utilize content a lot in our marketing, it's not quite dead yet, but certainly the direction things have been heading in and these most recent changes over the last couple of years don't really... Um, don't look good <laughs> in terms of anyone who heavily relies on search traffic for their business, overly relies on search traffic. Maybe the most disturbing trend that we're seeing is an increase in how many people who are searching on Google whose search does not end with a click-through to a third-party website. Spock Toro um, and Rand Fishkin really know their stuff in SEO. They've been researching this in depth for a long time, and they're seeing that the amount of zero-click searches, so these are people who search but don't click on a website, it's just getting higher and higher and higher, especially on mobile. Clicks through to third-party websites are dropping, only around 45% and falling. So what's happening to those guys? Where are these guys going? Well, some of them click through to websites also owned by Google, such as YouTube. But actually, most of these guys got the answer they were seeking from Google themselves. Not so long ago, if you searched for something simple, like how to convert Celsius to Fahrenheit, this is what you'd see. This is what you think of when you think about 
search engines. Search for the same thing today, you're going to see something more like this. A page full of tools and widgets designed to help you get the answer you need and the answer to any of the related queries or anything else you might think of about this topic. To give you that answer without you needing to go elsewhere. Third-party links to other websites are being squeezed out. This is the face of search because Google have changed. Their mission has changed. They are no longer somewhere that gives you a recommendation of the best websites to get your answer. They are now the place that wants to give you the answer themselves. And that is pretty meaningful for all of us. These are just a few of the ways that you do it depending on what you search for. You might also see song lyrics, celebrity net worth, weather forecasts, Wikipedia profiles, all sorts of different little widgets and gadgets designed to give you the answer without you ever needing to leave Google's little walled garden. The latest of these developments is with podcasts. You'll now see podcast episodes within the Google search listings. And what's more, you can listen to those episodes from directly within the search engine result page. I actually think that's pretty awesome. Like, you're talking about all of this, is just, it's a bad thing, but this is pretty awesome. It makes life so much easier. It, it is, it's, it's cool, right? Like, this is better than just a list of links. Does anyone agree that this is actually quite good as a user? Yeah. Yes. This is awesome. That's the uncomfortable truth about all this. Google doesn't exist to serve us as business owners. It exists to serve us as users. And this, if we set aside the whole Google or a monopoly, at what point will they turn into Skynet? If we set that aside, this is good for the user. But if you're someone whose business is overly dependent on search traffic from Google, take this as a warning. This is a sign of things to come. Now's not the time to have all of your eggs in Google's basket. Again, the reason we talk about this is just because of how big a part content marketing tends to play in the types of memberships that a lot of us in the room run, or in fact, pretty much anyone running a business online. So what can you do to adapt to this changing face of search? First is to make sure that you are focusing on creating content that is more specific, that you're creating stuff that dives into the real specific questions that you're audience might have and might be searching for, rather than creating stuff that's generic. Instead of trying to get onto page one of Google for how to play the banjo, get more specific. Look at the real nitty-gritty questions people are asking. Don't write an article about how to play banjo. Write an article about how to play the riff from Sweet Child of Mine on the banjo. I'm pretty sure Slash and his comically oversized and not at all Photoshop banjo will help you out with that. Creating this real specific content will put you in better stead for search. And the best way to get specific is to create content based around questions your audience are asking. Answerthepublic.com is a fantastic resource for giving you ideas and inspiration on what those type of questions are. You can plug in pretty much any topic and it'll fire back a whole selection of long tail queries and subjects that you can create content around that people are looking for, people are asking about. And there's a novel concept. You know, if, yeah. you wanna, if you want to know what questions your audience are, are asking questions about, ask your audience, like speak to your audience. I know this, it seems novel, yeah. like with all these tools that we have and all this stuff that makes marketing like really fancy and complicated, 
But we just need to go back to basics with it. Have conversations with your audience. Yeah, and as membership site owners, you have a focus group at your disposal. So actually tap into that. Listen to the questions that your members are asking and create content around that because that will then help you attract other members that have those same questions. Yeah, definitely. So getting more specific with the content that you're creating will put you in better stead uh, with Google in light of the sort of changes we're seeing with those. Now is also a time to consider expanding into other mediums. We've already seen that Google are giving prime real estate to podcasts and videos. So if you're just putting out written content and blog articles, or if your latest piece of content is welcome to our website dated 2005, then you can actually gain a lot of ground in Google by branching out into podcasting, branching out into videos. Now, already as I'm saying that, I'm seeing a few people grimacing, a few people noticeably clenching at the prospect of now having to start a podcast and start videos and all this extra work it's going to mean. I mean, we've already got enough on our plate, right? We already work too hard as it is. There is a way of expanding out into other mediums without doubling and tripling your workload, and that's by repurposing the content you're already creating and tapping into your archives, even into your membership content, spinning it off into multiple different formats to create the assets and create these additional content streams that will help you out with search. Yeah, and luckily for you guys, we've got the content repurposing queen herself, Amy Woods, who's going to be talking to you later this afternoon about that. So, yeah, you're going to get a lot more tips about that later Yeah, you're going to want to make a lot of notes during that one. Repurposing will just allow you to squeeze every single drop of value out of the content you're already creating without doubling and tripling your workload. And if you get out into those other mediums, that is going to help you with search. And I think now more than ever, it's more important for us to make sure we're just doing better with what we get. We're doing more with what we have. Instead of bemoaning all the stuff that's going on with search or the drop in traffic or declining reach on social or complaining about ad costs going up and up and up, Instead, focus your energy, focus your attention on ways of moving the needles in other key areas of your business, other stages of the sales and marketing process. That means dedicating resources into increasing your conversion rates, making more of the people who actually come to your website. So if your traffic does drop off, you're not going to feel the pinch because you can get more of those people signed up to your email list. Looking at ways you can increase your membership sales. I'm going to be sharing some sales tactics with you later today that will help you on that front. And then again, doing more with the people who do sign up. Looking at ways of bringing that average member lifetime value up so that every sale is worth more to you in the long run. The most obvious or the most common thing that you'll look at in a membership business for this is retention. Looking at ways in which you can improve retention, bring down your churn. We've already seen that's an area where marginal changes can make a major difference. Kali said it, 5% change in churn can impact profits up to 95%. Now might also be the time to think about whether you need to increase your price, bring in more pricing tiers, explore other revenue streams, selling more to your members. We're going to have Jess Lorimer giving you some tips on the best way of selling more to your existing members later today. So if we do these things... If we get more specific, get a little more focused with the content we create, expand into other mediums and make more of the traffic that we do get, then we'll be able to be less prone to the impact of the changes that come with things like search 
things like social, that sort of thing. We're going to feel the pinch a little bit less. Yeah. And the next thing we want to talk about is something that's actually playing a bigger part, not just in marketing, but in the day-to-day running of your business too, automation. With chatbots, artificial intelligence, and machine learning all becoming a much bigger part of business, it's enabling us to do a lot of pretty cool things that weren't actually possible before. It is, it is. But can we just have it noted that clearly nobody got the memo? Nobody has been heeding the warnings that the Terminator movies have been trying to send us for the last 30 years and all the terrible sequels and reboots that when you hand over too much control to the machines, it doesn't end well. And we're already starting to see the cracks appearing with all these funky new automation tools, right? Yeah, definitely. People are already starting to take automation for granted and they're getting lazy, especially when it comes to things like customer service. People are leaning too heavily on technology as a substitute for actual genuine human interaction. And that leads to gems like this. Yeah, this is Drew. Not too long ago, Drew took a flight on Delta Airlines. During that flight, he experienced a problem. And as many of us do these days when we have a problem, first thing he did, whip out his phone and angrily tweet about it. And this is what Drew said. Excuse me, Delta, but this is outrageous. I just got sucked through the toilet hole in one of your aircraft, and I am now hurtling through the sky. Can I please get my money back? This would never happen on Southwest. Show of hands, anyone who thinks this happened, does anyone in the room actually think that this happened? No, of course not, because only an idiot would read this tweet and think that this actually happened. I'd have been impressed by the Wi-Fi, if nothing else. Like, (laughs) setting aside a complete inability to recognize humor, just from a logistical point of view, you're not going to get Wi-Fi signal, you're not going to get 4G, and it's probably going to take you too long to tweet before you, you know... Splat. No one would think this happened. Only an idiot. Enter our idiot. (sighs) Now, (laughs) in fairness to HBB, they're probably not an idiot. Chances are they probably didn't read that tweet at all. Instead, what most likely happened is they got to the office that morning, they fired up their fancy, sophisticated social media management and monitoring tool. They got that little notification, bing, ugh. Someone else whinging about Delta on Twitter. And so they clicked that magic button that enables you to fire back the pre-written, template-driven, automated response. And this is how a meme is born. Look at how many people liked and retweeted this. And we're not singling this out because it's a, it's a rarity. This is every day. Go to Twitter. This is happening on the regular now. More and more companies, as they lean too heavily on technology as a substitute for actual human interaction, are making these kind of four pars by turning customer service into a click button exercise. Yeah, and you do not want to be one of those. (laughs) No, you've got the opportunity to stand out compared to those guys. Yeah, even the smallest personal touch that you can make makes a big impression, especially, as we said, in these days where people are expecting the automation. So there's lots of different ways you can do this, from personal videos to welcome packs to handwritten cards, all different ways you can add a personal touch to your membership without actually needing to kind of take a lot of extra time or money to do so. Yeah, exactly. None of this takes too much time. None of this is rocket science. It's just 
putting in the effort, a little bit of extra effort, a little bit of more creative thought yeah. about those extra touches that will help you stand out against the people who are getting blase, getting lazy with, with customer relationships and member engagement yeah. and favoring automation over humanization. Yeah, because people like to be seen. They don't want to feel like they're just another number or face in the crowd. They want to feel like they're valued and like their customers appreciated as yeah. well. And people are becoming more and more jaded about business. They're expecting stock responses and chatbots these days. So anything that you do to actually break Change away that. from that stands out. Yeah. In fact, Gary Vaynerchuk recently ran an experiment on his social media where he invited his followers to actually text him. Give up his, his kind of personal phone number yeah. and said, hey, just, just text me. Yeah. And it's telling how many people thought the replies from him were a chatbot, even though they weren't. And even when he sent voice messages to them, he sent personal videos to them. Yeah, this, a lot of people still didn't believe it was really him. Yeah, you can, you can see it. <laughs> He's literally shouting down the phone, hey, yo, it is Gary. Like, your name is Bob. It's really me. And they still thought it was some sort of magic yeah. Automation. I don't want to meet the automation that could do that. You know what? You, <laughs> you say that, but has anyone seen those deep fake videos where people keep putting Jim Carrey's face on everything? Tor, I warned you, Skynet. <laughs> yeah, you spend too much time on the internet. Um, it's a sad state of affairs, though, that genuine human connection is becoming a rarity. It's something that people aren't expecting, as we said, and this means that you can stand out simply by being more human. Yeah, and I think... Bringing that human element, bringing that personal touch into your membership is more important now than ever. Because I'm sure you've noticed the world is becoming more and more cynical. It's depressing. People just seem to be getting downbeat by everything that's going on. People are getting jaded. There's this continued erosion of trust out there, especially online. Yeah, and miss the cries of fake news, privacy scandals like Cambridge Analytica, farces like the Fire Festival, and influencer marketing starting to look like a bit of a joke. It's no wonder that people are less trusting than ever and less willing to accept things at face value. Online audiences these days are savvier than ever. They're less naive, possibly actually to a fault. So you have to work harder to actually earn the trust of your audience. Yeah, and trust is just so important for all of us. We're in the business of trust, because for us, trust is currency. We're not chasing these hit and run sales. We're not about the one-off transactions. It's not enough for us to just get the sale. We need to keep getting that sale month after month, year after year, and that simply doesn't happen without trust. The strength of trust and the depth of relationship that is required to get people to commit and invest to your membership long-term calls for you to market like a farmer and not a hunter. Thinking about the long game, building that trust, sowing the seeds of that relationship, rather than chasing short-term gains. This isn't about quick fix marketing tricks, automated account line timers, false scarcity, and all that other BS. It has no place in our world. That's not how you build trust. You build trust through things like content marketing we talk quite a bit about, through blogging, podcasting, and video. Not just to get your message out there, but to build a body of work that enables people to verify and validate that you can be trusted, that you know your stuff, you are legit, you're not going to rip them off, you're not going to let them down. They can trust you to solve their problems. 
Yeah, and you strengthen that trust through offering risk reversal strategies like money-back guarantees, trials, behind-the-scenes content that helps somebody to actually see exactly what you're offering. And then you can actually double down on that and back that up by using social proof like reviews, testimonials, and actually case studies that explain the results that others have had with you. All of this will help to increase that trust with your audience. Yeah, social proof is a great way of backing up all that stuff because one of the best ways of garnering trust is showing just how much other people trust you. As Bob Burke said, all things being equal, people will do business with those that they know, like, and trust. And you can capitalize on that principle in a way that many of these big players we talked about at the start simply can't. They're these huge faceless social giants. You guys have an advantage over them by investing more in that relationship, building that trust, and creating connections with your members. So to summarize, when we zoom out a little and take a look at the subscription industry, sorry, the online marketing industry, on a broader scale, six big challenges we're facing. This is an industry that is growing, and we're potentially on the cusp of that growth skyrocketing. The big brands that we see moving into this space, making inroads into the membership world, are just part of the overall explosion in the subscription market. That's very exciting for a variety of different reasons, but also is introducing new challenges we're going to have to deal with in the years to come. One in particular, probably the most relevant to us, is subscription fatigue. As that list of stuff people have to pay for month after month after month gets bigger and bigger and bigger, it's more important than ever that you're focusing on delivering exceptional member experience and creating emotional connections that make any consideration about whether or not they want to stay in your membership, a much easier decision. It's going to be much harder for them to cancel. Another big challenge coming from the industry's growth is the increase in regulation we're all going to face over the coming years. The growth of this industry puts us under a spotlight, which invites increased regulation as all these different governments catch up to the way people are doing business online these days. <laughs> While this can be tedious, a lot of headaches, a lot of hassles, a lot of hoops to jump through. It is going to be better in the long run. It's going to stamp out those bad practices that can sometimes lead to us being tarred with the same brush from bad experiences people have had with unscrupulous people running memberships and subscriptions. On the marketing front, for anyone who depends a lot on search, we need to recognize that Google have changed, and so we have to make sure we're changing with them. That just comes down to marketing smarter, and being more efficient in what we do with the traffic that we get. Getting away from only ever focusing on the top of that funnel, just worrying about getting more and more and more people, more eyeballs on your stuff, do more with them, improve conversions, raise the average member lifetime value. You're going to have to do that if you're a business who relies a lot on search. Of course, we talked about automation, our fifth challenge. As automation plays an increasing role in marketing and the day-to-day -day operations of our business, we need to not be distracted by how exciting this is in terms of what it now enables us to do, but be cautious about not relying too heavily on it, not taking it for granted, and not using it as a substitute for actual human-to-human -human interaction. As all these bigger companies make these faux pas from turning customer service into a click button exercise, you've got an opportunity in your membership to rehumanize relationships at a time where personal connection is becoming a rarity. 
And that personal connection, that human touch, is more and more important in a world where we see continued erosion of trust. You need to make sure you're investing in building trust and strengthening relationships at every stage, both before and beyond the sale. Yeah. So those are the six big challenges that are facing membership site owners both today and in the future as well. Hopefully now you're not only more aware of those, but a bit better equipped to deal with them too. And luckily for you guys, we have some speakers over the next couple of days that are going to dive down even deeper into actually solutions to a lot of yeah. these challenges that we've brought up today. But that for now is the state of the membership industry. All right, so that was the state of the membership industry. Hopefully you enjoyed it, hopefully you found it useful, and hopefully you are now better equipped and better prepared to deal with the major challenges that anyone in the online membership space are going to be facing in the months and years to come. Again, just a reminder, if you want to watch the, the video of the whole of that keynote, go to membershipguys.com anytime during December and uh, check out our Advent Calendar promotion for December 3rd, which is the release date of this episode. We also have the whole video recording available to watch there too. And if you want to see the recordings of other sessions from the event, you need to get yourself to membershipacademy.com, sign up, and you'll have access to those recordings as they're added to the Academy this month and next. That is it from me for this very special episode of the Membership Guys podcast. I'll see you guys again next week. If you enjoyed this week's episode of the Membership Guys podcast, we invite you to check out membershipacademy.com. The Membership Academy is the essential resource for anyone at any stage of starting, growing and running a membership website. Whether you're still trying to figure out what your idea is going to be or whether your website is already up and running and you're just looking for ways to grow it and attract new members, then the Membership Academy can help you to get to the next level. With our extensive course library, monthly training, exclusive member-only discounts, perks and tools, and a supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback, encouragement and advice, the Membership Academy is the perfect place to be for anyone looking to start, manage and grow a successful membership website. Check it out at membershipacademy.com.